There are two tales waiting for you, told one after the other by an odd set of two. So prepare yourself, dear one, because this is Drops of Darkness. I am Stranger, and I tell only fantasies. Whenever your world has a grip on your throat, I am there waiting to unleash the monsters that sleep in my mind so that they may remind you that you have sharp teeth and claws of your own. Her date's lip gloss had turned cold and sticky, curled up in the corner of her apartment's small bathroom where she'd spent the last 12 hours. She could still smell it on her mouth somehow, even after wiping the sick off her lips. It was sweet, Colette didn't like sweet things. Not usually. The only thing she took with her morning coffee was a cigarette, and she'd had neither of those things since yesterday. But that's not why her hands were shaking. Just as the smell of vanilla and citrus clung to the lip prints on her face and neck, blood remained under her fingernails. She stared at the red crescent-shaped lines at the tip of her fingers as the night before replayed in her head for the millionth time. The walk from the bar had been quick, and the elevator up to Nina's room was even quicker, but it was still not quick enough. Before they had made it even halfway to her floor, Nina's face was tucked into Colette's peacoat collar, and her hand had found its way into her hair. I thought you said you don't usually do this, Nina whispered, warmth, whiskey, and lemon on her breath. I don't, Colette said back, telling the truth. She'd been nervous all night and did a bad job hiding it. But Nina didn't seem to mind. The dark-haired woman had been at ease enough for both of them. The trip from the elevator to Nina's apartment was a blur. Colette heard keys jingling as they missed the lock a few times before finally, the door opened and the bright lights of the hall were traded for moonlight that streamed through her huge windows. Well, maybe you should tell me some other things you don't usually do, Nina said. You seem to be very good at figuring them out as you go. Colette wasn't looking at Nina's face, but she could hear the smirk in her voice. She tried to think of a clever response, but her coat had just hit the floor. And suddenly, words seemed like they would just slow her down. And she was right. A deep voice cut through the darkness, and Colette froze in her date's arms. You're late, it said. Her eyes had adjusted, and she saw a silhouette of a man sitting in one of Nina's leather armchairs and she felt her let out a deep sigh. Fuck, I forgot that was tonight, Nina said, pushing her dark hair back with one hand, leaving the other wrapped around Colette's waist. I'm a little busy at the moment, can you just come back tomorrow? The man stood without responding and started to walk towards them, moonlight glinting off the knife in his hand. Look, Nina said, lifting Colette's chin with her finger. I'm really sorry about this. Colette opened her mouth to ask what she meant, to ask who the man was and why did he have that knife, but all that came out was a scream. Nina's arm slipped away from Colette's side, leaving it cold as it went limp. Looking down, she saw the tip of the knife where it protruded from Nina's half-unbuttoned shirt. She felt something warm and wet begin to soak her hands. The man pulled out the knife from Nina's back, and Colette watched as her date crumpled lifeless to the floor. She tried to back away, but the sharp edge of the marble countertop blocked any chance of a quick escape. 
She began pleading, but the man didn't seem to be listening and only looked up at her once he'd finished cleaning the blood off his blade. She only paid for the one, he said, before turning and leaving out the door. Saliva filled Colette's mouth again as the memory of the body came back to her. How Nina had just... dropped. The sound her skull made as it hit the hard floor. She curled up around the edge of the toilet and vomited what little was left. The smell of whiskey, bile, and citrus wafting up from the bowl. Colette's memory came in flashes after that. She didn't know how long she'd stood there. She barely remembered getting home, only realizing once she'd made it back that she'd walked through the city with Nina's blood still drawing between her fingers. As she sank back down against the cold tile of the bathroom floor, a new wave of panic washed over her as she thought about whether or not she should have called the police. If it was too late to not be suspicious, who would believe her anyway? They'd find her lipstick on Nina's jaw, maybe one of her hair still wrapped between her fingers. Just as she felt herself start to dry heave, she heard a knock on her front door. Oh God, she thought, looking down at all the places her skin was still covered in red. It didn't matter who it was, police or not, she was a mess. Don't panic, it's just me. Oh, I must be going crazy, Colette thought with some relief. I can plead insanity now, at least. You look like shit. Colette looked up and saw Nina leaning against the doorframe holding her peacoat under crossed arms. And you left your door unlocked. You're dead, Colette said, fully giving in to her newfound insanity. And you're gross, said Nina, setting the peacoat on the counter and cranking the knob in the shower. Come on, up you get. How do you know where I live? Colette asked as her dress was lifted and carefully peeled off in spots where the blood had dried it to her skin. I found your wallet in your coat and got your address off your ID, said the dark-haired woman, coaxing her under the water. You're a great kisser, but you'd make a terrible fugitive. Colette felt herself coming back to her senses as she watched the stream of red swirl down the drain. She wasn't crazy. This was crazy. What the fuck is going on, she said after wrenching the curtain open. And why the fuck are you in my house? After someone you hired to kill you, killed you. He killed you in front of me. Nina sighed just as she had the night before. I can't fall asleep, she said simply. Colette stared and waited for more to follow, which, albeit reluctantly, eventually did. I'm really sorry you were there. I'm usually much better about not mixing up my appointments. And it seemed rude to not bring you back your stuff. I watched you die. Colette was not expecting to start yelling, but it felt good. I can only sleep if I'm dead. I can go a day or two without it, but beyond that, I start losing it just like anyone else would. I can do it myself, and I usually do. But sometimes I like to treat myself and have someone else do it instead. Colette turned off the water and stepped onto the mat, slapping away the towel that was held out for her. Prove it, she said. Nina looked at her for a moment, then pulled her shirt up to show the thin line on her sternum that only stood out from the sea of other scars by its fresh shade of light pink. You didn't have all these last night, Colette said, running her fingers over the textured skin to see if the marks were real. I did. It was just dark when we were drunk. Colette could smell the sweetness on Nina's lips, and her breath was warm on her skin where the water had grown cold. I dreamt last night, Nina continued, 
her voice less sarcastic and more somber than before. That's never happened. I don't really remember it, but I liked it. When I woke up on that floor this morning, I saw your coat, and it made me wonder if you had something to do with it. Colette turned and looked out the small window where the sun had started to set and thought for a moment, wondering if she'd be able to do what she was about to offer. Deciding it was better to not think too long about it, she turned her head back, wrapped a still damp hand through Nina's dark hair, and kissed her. Tasting the vanilla and citrus again, she decided that she liked at least one sweet thing. It was a blur from the bathroom to the bed. But once they were there, time extended a rare kindness and slowed down, allowing them to make up for the night they had lost to death and panic. Would you like to dream again? Colette asked, with one hand between her lover's legs and the other wrapped around her throat. Nina nodded, and that was enough. I'll put you to sleep, Colette whispered, her hand squeezing tighter. And in the morning, you can tell me your dreams. Hello everyone. In between stories, we like to highlight a cause that is worth our collective attention. For December, we decided to highlight Anira. This is a nonprofit that is dedicated to providing crucial humanitarian aid and sustainable development in the Middle East, and specifically helps refugees and others hurt by conflicts in Palestine, Lebanon, and Jordan. You can find out more and donate at www.anira.org or from the link on our website at dropsofdarkness.com. Now, back into the shadows we go. I am someone, and I tell only truth. Whenever something slithers through the barrier between worlds, I am there. Not to stop them, but to watch them and remind you Countless terrors your kind has survived, all on their own. We had just moved into a big new house when COVID lockdown started. We've had strange activity in every house we've lived in, so I wasn't surprised when we started experiencing things pretty much right away. At first, it was small things that we could ultimately chalk up to still getting set up in a new place. Like... We'd go looking for something and it wasn't where we thought it was. But it got to the point where we'd set something down for a few seconds only to go pick it back up and it's not there. Not only would it not be where we just set it down, it wouldn't even be in the same room. Now, some of these incidences could be explained by the fact that I'm the walking embodiment of ADHD, but my partner was experiencing the same thing. Then we started hearing our kids in parts of the house they couldn't have been in. We'd hear them running and laughing upstairs while sitting downstairs on the couch next to them. We'd take turns bringing them with us when we went to get our drive-up grocery orders so that the other one could get some very much needed alone time. And every single time, we'd hear bathroom doors opening and closing, footsteps up and down the stairs, and eventually... Figures started to appear in the corners of our eyes. It got to the point where we half-joked about someone living in our attic. I say only half-joked because we absolutely checked the attic, which was gross, but empty. This was a really stressful time, and I'm sure that stress fed and attracted things beyond what we'd experienced before. 
but we still hadn't done much as far as clearing the space. We even got kind of used to it. If something went missing, we just announced that we needed it back, and lo and behold, we turned around and there it was. I think us not paying as much attention to it anymore was what made it start acting malevolently. After a period of relative calm, we'd stopped getting our things back. Instead of just hearing the kids playing, we'd hear them crying. I'd be outside with them, and my partner would come out saying he heard them both calling out from their bedrooms. We started thinking about how we were going to get rid of whatever this was. And our first attempt was to loudly announce that this was our home and any negative entities were not welcome and had to leave. That same night, I heard my partner call out for me from the other room, calling me Hun, which he only ever does if something is wrong. I answered back just as he came in from the garage, so he hadn't even been in the house. Over the course of the next few days, we'd hear each other's voices calling out for each other. Sometimes this thing would make us sound angry or sad or even scared. The last time it happened, he and I were both in the kitchen when my voice shouted, Hey, babe, from upstairs. We both stopped what we were doing, looked at each other, and asked the same time, You heard that, right? I checked the baby monitors while he ran over to check the stairs, and there was no one. That was the night we pulled out everything. We did salt lines, cleansed the house by bringing in a brass bell in each space, carved protection sigils into candles, and then dripped wax onto every door frame and window. You name it. We went from zero to 60 to get rid of this thing. And it worked. That was the last night we heard it. So take it from us. Don't sit around waiting for things to get too weird. If you hear something mimicking you or your loved ones, kick it the fuck out because it'll just keep getting worse. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Drops of Darkness, which is written, voiced, and produced by Anodyne Vaughn and Cameron Helquaik. If you enjoyed your drift into the shadows, help keep the stories alive by sharing the show, leaving a review, and if you really want to earn the favor of these dark storytellers, tether yourself to their world by tapping subscribe. If you have a true paranormal story of your own that you'd like to be read by someone, you can make the offering to submissions at dropsofdarkness.com or through the form on our website. Until next time, dear one, and remember, when the darkness looks your way, hold its gaze.